0: I got to be honest. Throughout most of my Christian life, um, I've really enjoyed, as a as an expression of worshiping God and declaring the truth of God, um, the musical portion of worship. How many of you guys agree with me? I, I mean, this has been a big part of my um, understanding of the faith. And, and gleaning from the scripture. And God has really used music to speak to me in particular about who he is and who's he, who he's revealed himself in scripture. So let me be careful to say this. We are not preaching songs We're not talking um, from the authority of any song that was written by some dude or some woman. What we're talking about is the authority of Scripture and how God's revealed himself and who God's revealed himself to be in Scripture that has been written in songs and that God's used music and songs to declare his word, his authoritative, inerrant word from Scripture through music, right? And, and it's amazing. I, I think worship is re, worship in the sense of musical worship is remarkable. This thing's driving me nuts, I'm sorry. Remar- Every time I move my head, it just pulls. Um, it's remarkable how God uses music to, to minister to us, isn't it? And I'm just so grateful for the musicians that we have here at Renovation. I'm grateful for Bill and Ethan and Matt Stark and the sound guys that work so hard. Um, to Listen, we don't need sound. We don't need drums and guitar but we have it we get to have it and we get to sing um the realities of who god is and who he's revealed himself to be through music and worship him in a way that he's created us to worship him right now it doesn't matter if it's a lyle lie, what is that instrument Lyre or a harp which i don't know if anyone plays anymore but the psalmist used or an organ or whatever they play in africa drums and 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 whatever instruments are popular in asia or china we we wouldn't be arrogant enough to think that our style of music is the style of course it's ridiculous music is about the message of the gospel of jesus christ and and how god can minister to us through that and enable us to open us up and and worship him in a way worship him in a way that we understand is awesome and uh O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is an incredible song. I'm just going to read through some of the lyrics. Ethan, if you got the lyrics back there, let's walk through that a little bit. Then we're going to jump into the Word of God, into Scripture. But we just sang this. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. O Israel, O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer. Our spirits by thine advent hear. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thy key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. In about 800 A.D., an unnamed monk penned these words. We don't know who he was. um, But we know this, that scripture was scarce. Scarcely available in that day. And we know that this man knew the word of God. He knew the word of God when he wrote about the shoot of Jesse. When he wrote about the key of David. When he wrote about Emmanuel, God with us. When he wrote about the Lord of might. He knew the word of God. And he wrote these words which we believe to probably have gone along at that time with a chant. Um, How many of you are glad we don't chant today? Um, But he wrote the words that, that, that articulated this incredible story that we understand to be, from biblical theology, God's plan from the beginning. God's plan from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of creation to the end of time. God has planned to redeem a people. God planned on Jesus from the beginning, amen? And as we look at the whole of Scripture, and as we understand the Bible, and as we see what this monk penned in in terms of these words that have been sung from 800 A.D. until 2014 here in Liverpool, New York, as he wrote those words that we're singing today, We see in scripture that God's plan for redemption from the beginning to the end has always been his plan. The sovereign God who created everything has planned on redeeming a people back to himself through Jesus Christ, amen? Isn't that good news? So in about 800 AD, this monk wrote these words and then in about the 15th century, a Franciscan nun in Portugal put the tune to it that we know today. And she wrote the music in the melody that we hear today as a part of the words that she found from this monk's writings in 800 AD. And she, she wrote the, the chords and the notes and the melody that, that has become a popular and familiar melody to all of us and that we sung even here tonight as David Crowder has adjusted it a bit. Um, she wrote it in the 15th century. And then, we see again in the 19th century a priest, John Mason Neal, who was a brilliant man who was very academic but had gotten into a fight a bit with the Anglican Church and was sent um, off to Africa to labor. And in his laboring began an orphanage and, and, and began to uh, pursue through the gospel redeeming young women who had been caught in prostitution back to the Lord and, and in his fight and in his struggle and in his labor in the gospel in Africa, found this song and, and reworked it and redeemed this, um, this brilliant hymn that had been written back in 800 AD and music had been put to it in the 15th century and then this, this priest in the 19th century put it back together and, and now has made it a part of what has been sung all over the world really in the Christian church for since that time, since the 1800s. Isn't that amazing? Dr. Jeff Sanders said this about the song. He was a historian and a theologian. A gift was penned by an unnamed monk over 1,200 years ago, given a tune by nuns in an obscure convent, rediscovered by a forgotten evangelist off the coast of Africa. The song of Emmanuel, God with us, hidden for centuries, but now enjoyed by millions worldwide. No one does it alone. God is the one who orchestrates history. And the theme of his song is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Amen? You see, the history of this song is, is really even been orchestrated and woven through history as we see God's plan for redemption has been woven through history from the beginning. In this monk in 800 A.D. who knew the word of God and who got it, Pen these words that explains to us as we see in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, God with us. God's advent who invaded the world through a little baby in a manger and who has made all the difference for everybody forever. And we sing about that tonight. You see some of these phrases used about the coming of Christ and the advent, um, the coming of this child. And we see Um, Very similar language, obviously, that this monk got from Isaiah chapter 7. And then we see it again in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. So let's take a minute and let's let's dive into Scripture and take a look at what God was doing in Scripture as we see it reflected in the song. If you could turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. I want to read verses 1 through 17, and then we'll jump over to Matthew. Isaiah chapter 7. Verses 1 through 17. I'll give you a minute to turn there. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramallah, I said that wrong, sorry, I'm terrible with names, the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Joshua, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field and say to him, be careful, be quiet. Do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint, because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of resin in Syria and the son of Ramalia, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, "Let us go up against Judah, and terrify it, and let us conquer it, for ourselves, and set up." I'm sorry. Let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king, in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God. Here's what God says through Isaiah to Ahaz, the king of Judah. It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Verse 10 Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and high as heaven. But Ahaz, I will not, Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son The, the two kingdoms, we have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and Ahaz, who is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, is scared because the northern kingdom and Syria, they're, they're together. They've joined forces, and he's fearful that he's going to be overtaken. And Ahaz, who is shaking as if a tree would shake, it's said in Scripture, um, hears the word of the Lord from Isaiah, who comes to him as a prophet and who speaks from God, and he says, listen, Ahaz, you're trusting in political um, alliances. You're trusting in human f- stuff. You're trusting in what you can do and what you can organize and what you can pull off in your own human capability as the king of Judah. And what I'm saying to you is trust in God, right? Isaiah brings the word of the Lord to him, and he says, why don't you ask God for a sign? As deep as Sheol and as high as heaven, ask him for a sign. And Ahaz says, no, no. You know, I'm not going to ask him for a sign. I, I'm not going to do that. And Isaiah says, Isaiah says to him, look, not only are you making me wearisome, you're making God wearisome. You, 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 you need to ask God for a sign. And you know what? He's going to give you a sign. Here's the sign. And he begins to prophesy about Emmanuel, which means God with us. About a virgin who's going to bear a child and his name will be called Emmanuel. And we see here, The prophecy of the coming Christ. We see here in Isaiah, in the midst of the trouble that Ahaz, the king of Judah, is dealing with, we see here God speak to him and say, listen, there's coming a day when it's not going to matter what these two men do. It's not going to matter what their nations do. They're not even going to exist anymore. What's going to matter is that God is, bringing a son, is sending his son, Emmanuel. God will be with you, and he'll be with you in the form of a child born of a virgin. And he's not only going to fix the problem that you have, he's going to fix it all. As we see in Matthew 1.23, he's come to take away sin amen God's coming God with us Emmanuel Joseph's in a a, a little bit of a pickle himself isn't he I mean you see Ahaz who's struggling when Isaiah comes to speak the word of the Lord to him and there's debate over whether there's a double fulfillment of this prophecy but we know the fulfillment of this prophecy is definitely in Christ Joseph's in a little bit of a pickle himself. I mean, here, here he is. He's engaged to Mary, and she's pregnant. And there's one thing he knows. He didn't do it, <laughs> right? And he doesn't want to dishonor her or disgrace her, so he's going to divorce her quietly. God comes to him. He says, wait a minute. She's been conceived of the Holy Spirit. Don't divorce her. This is God coming. His advent is coming in Christ. You'll name him Jesus. You will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. And I'm certain that Joseph in this moment didn't understand all the implications of what was about to happen didn't understand that this was the most pivotal moment in the history of the world. I'm sure he didn't understand or grasp completely that his wife was carrying with her the answer not just to his problem, not just to what Ahaz's problem was in the past, but the world's problems, which is sin. I'm sure that Joseph couldn't conceive in the moment that God was fulfilling his plan to redeem all of mankind back to himself and to call his people back to himself and to forgive us of all of our sins I'm sure he didn't get all that in that moment but in the moment what did Joseph do he believed God amen Ahaz was in a tough spot Joseph was in a tough spot and what we see here in scripture and what we see reflected from scripture in this song is that God is with us through Jesus that as we see the rod of Jesse will free us from tyranny in the depths of hell. We see the day spring which brings joy because of the advent, the invasion of God upon earth. To disperse gloomy clouds in death's dark shadows he puts to flight. We see the key of David. We see the fulfillment of of the Davidic covenant in Jesus Christ where God said to David that no, your, your name shall have the throne forever and through Jesus that fulfillment comes to pass. We see the key of David who makes safe the way that leads on high. We see the Lord of might. We see God throughout history. You see, as we look at this In the sense of biblical theology, when I say biblical theology, I mean taking the Bible as a whole and looking at it from Genesis to Revelation and understanding that God divinely inspired scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that it's inerrant, without error. We believe that here at Renovation Church but it's penned by men who God uses and inspires to write scripture from beginning to end. It's penned by men from different languages and different cultures and in different periods of time over, over a couple of millennia of time, of time period. Um, the scripture is written and inspired by God. And through this work of inspired scripture from beginning to end, God reveals to us his plan of redemption that is woven from Genesis to Revelation, That is, is his plan from the beginning and that he communicates to us as a God who speaks to us, as a God who communicates. He communicates to us in his word who he is, what he's planned from the beginning, and what he's going to do to redeem us back to himself. And we see that reflected in this incredible carol. That God is with us. That God's advent has come. Jesus has come to redeem us back to himself and to forgive us from sins. And so like Ahaz and like Joseph, we have to ask ourselves, where are you right now? In the scope of redemptive history, that we see reflected in this carol, that we see reflected in, in, uh, in Scripture, that we see specifically pointed out in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Matthew, the fulfillment of that prophecy? What are you facing today? Where are you in relationship to this reality, God's redemptive purposes in the coming of Christ through this little baby? I know tomorrow, we're all going to go back to work, right? Some of us. My father's retired. God, see, you're going to, what are you doing tomorrow? It <laughs> doesn't matter. You didn't even know tomorrow's Monday, did you? Other than you were at church. <laughs> and we're going to face life. Some of us struggling with recurrent sin. Some of us struggling with our faith. Some of us struggling in the midst of our families. Some of us may be struggling with addiction. Some of us struggling with depression. Some of us struggling with with, uh, the accuser coming against you time and time again saying this, saying this, saying this. Some of us struggling with relationships, whether it be at home or at work. Some of us struggling with, with who we are and what we look like and, and, and what we're supposed to do with our lives. So many different struggles and difficulties in the lives of people I would imagine as I stand among you reflected in this room and what we can stand here and recognize today as we are worshiping together in this room right now what we can recognize from the word of God is that God has not only invaded this place through a baby but he has invaded your life that God has come, Emmanuel is God with us, God is with you, he has come, and it's personal. It's not just that God came and died on a cross to forgive everybody's sin, it's that God came in the form of a baby and lived the life that each of us were incapable of living and that God went to the cross and paid the price that all of us deserve to pay. And God personally wants to invade your life. He wants to personally advent into your life and to show you that his plan from the beginning has been to redeem you back to himself. That he wants to be in relationship with you. That he is ever present. God with us, Emmanuel, he is ever present in your life that no matter what you go through and what you face and what difficulty is coming into your life, Ahaz was was struggling with a political issue and maybe the extinction of the people of Israel, and he was struggling with Assyria and the northern kingdom potentially attacking him, and Isaiah prophesied to him that a, a woman was going to have a child and call him Emmanuel, God with us. And Joseph, struggling with his situation, God came through the form of a child, God invaded this place and he's here and he wants to invade your life. He is with you and he has objectively done something in your life and maybe you don't know it and maybe you do. He's objectively paid the price for your sin in the redemptive plan of God throughout history has come to pass in Jesus Christ as he paid the price for everybody's sin for everything that ails this world all sickness all death all difficulty everything that's been created by sin has been obliterated through the cross of Jesus Christ and when he consummates it and we get to be with him again it all goes away amen he will make all things right that has been God's plan from the beginning and that's what we sing about in this carol there's a sense of anticipation in the song, isn't there? There's a sense of, of God will, will come to Israel. Oh come, O oh, come, Emmanuel. As you sing that song and as you declare it in this place tonight, you can know that God has come. You can know that He has invaded earth. You can know that he has paid the price for your sin and he's not a God that's afar off that has taken off after he's done this, this thing called creation and set everything in motion. He's personal, he's active, he's, he wants to invade and be ever present in your life and he is the difference for you, amen? He's the difference for you. You can hang on to it. And here's what I recognize as I deal from day to day with my own life is that life can be very subjective, can't it? I mean, life can be this emotional up and down and all over the place. And and what we can know today as we look at God revealed in scripture and as we sing about it in this song is that there's an objective truth that we can reach outside the emotional, subjective things that we deal with. We can reach outside of it and we can grab onto the objective truth that God has come. Emmanuel is ever-present. He is here that he loves us, and that his plan for redemption is more than well underway. It's happened. You can be redeemed today. Amen? I encourage you in the context of worship, to take a moment while you're at church, while you're corporately gathered. And and not not let's be honest, not all worship songs are are equal, okay? Some writing stinks. Right? There was a there was a time, alright? It's like the 80s. <laughs> there, was, there was a there was no some of the 80s songs were good. But <clears throat> Not all songs are created equal, but to the degree they reflect the reality of Scripture, to the degree they reflect who God is and who he's revealed himself to be in Scripture, I would encourage you, I want to challenge you. If you don't do this, take take a moment in in the midst of the musical portion of the worship service and declare the truths of God in such a way that you connect, in such a way that you sing the truth of theology and declare to God who he is, and interact with him prayerfully through song, and let him minister to you as you glorify him. And I know that there's a bunch of people that are gathered in this church that come from so many different traditions of church. Regardless of your tradition, whether you come from the charismatic you're used to just lifting your hands and jumping around and singing and being expressive or you come from the place where it's only worship if you stand there with a with an awful solemn look on your face and your hands folded and it's got to be on an organ regardless of what tradition you come from allow God's truth to minister to you through music we sing because he's designed us to sing and worship him if you don't like it it's going to be tough to be in heaven because we're going to worship him forever for eternity, we're gonna worship him forever. And it's not gonna be Bach, probably, okay? I I don't know, it doesn't matter what it is. We're gonna like it, (laughs) maybe it will be. We have an opportunity to be together corporately like the Psalms declare throughout, like scripture declares throughout, and to sing the truths of God and who he is and allow God to be glorified in us declaring the truth about him, about his gospel, and about the fact that Emmanuel has come, that God's advent has happened, that he has invaded this planet, and he has made the difference. He, His plan for redemption has happened and will be consummated when he returns again and we get to be with him. Amen? Isn't that good news? Let's stand together. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. we do that one again? Let's take a moment and let's sing this song again and worship God together. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you that you've made us to enjoy worshiping you. That you've put something in us, you've created us to respond to music and to, to declare truth in this way. That we get to be with you. You say in your word that you You inhabit the praises of your people that that you're here anyways. We know you're omnipresent. We know that you're with us. But in a special way, you're with us as we praise you and as we worship you. And so tonight, we worship you in song and we praise you with all of our hearts. And we do it as your word says in spirit and in truth. Help us to be real in how we worship you tonight. About our lives, about our struggles, about what we face. And at the same time, about the truth of who you are and what you've declared and what you've done. As the psalmist in Psalm 73 declares, when we come into your sanctuary, change our perspective. Help us to see things the way you see them. God, as we worship you, do a work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you, Emmanuel, God with us. Make us closer to you tonight. We thank you for the gift of worship, that we get to worship you, that you've created us to worship you. We sing because of who you are. We sing because you came. We sing because you've saved us, you've redeemed us, you've sacrificed for us. We worship you because you're worthy, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done in Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen.